Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 146 of the Adam Shine Podcast, and we are extra fired up. One of my all-time favorite people and broadcasters, I always say he's the best to ever do it behind a Major League Baseball microphone, Gary Cohen. He is just electrifying doing the Mets play-by-play on SNY. The Gary, Keith, and Ron combination is the best booth in, in Major League Baseball and, frankly, in all of sports. Gary Cohen is a featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast this week, and we will talk to Gary about making the Mets Hall of Fame, his favorite out-of-here call, he, the inf- impact and influence that broadcasters in New York City had on his career. We'll get into the rule changes in Major League Baseball. We'll get into the expectations for the Mets this season. I am so fired up to have Gary Cohen on the Adam Shine podcast because he is absolutely incredible. My favorite broadcaster to listen to and he is just incredible, and you guys are going to love it. And then we'll have a nice shine wine on why I'm fired up about watching my Knicks. Text from Jack Shine on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, we want you to make sure you stay tuned to your feed and spread the word on the Adam Shine podcast, because in a week we're going to have a major podcast announcement. A major podcast announcement. That is the... The ultimate, ultimate tease. We're bringing our executive producer, Bob Stew. Bob, I'm not overselling that in terms of a week from today, a major announcement about the Adam Shine podcast. Adam, you sometimes may be subject to hyperbole. You are not <laughs> subject to hyperbole. This announcement's huge. It's going to be awesome. And you're right. Everything you said is accurate. I just can't wait for people to see what's in store with the Adam Shine podcast. Uh, This is going to be awesome. So make sure you stay tuned. We will have a major announcement, a major announcement one week from today with regards to the Adam Shine podcast. So I am fired up for you guys to realize what that is. And I am fired up for the month of March. I mean, Bob, this is one of the great months when you look at sports. You have the NCAA tournament in March Madness, obviously. Major League Baseball starts in in the month of, of March. 
NBA has been terrific in the month of March and, you know, great storylines as teams are battling for the playoffs and Nikola Jokic is, to me, running away with his third straight MVP and anyone who says he doesn't deserve the MVP is either wanting attention or searching for attention or just plain not paying attention. Of course, he's the MVP. NFL offseason and free agency and trades Obviously, an incredible time, and NFL always dominates in in the month of March. So I think March needs to be considered, Bob, an, an elite sports month. I mean, we talk about September. We talk about April. We talk about October. January is always a pretty fired-up sports month, but especially with baseball starting in the month of March now officially, I think March is a sneaky great month for sports. Yeah, I mean, I would rank October the number one sports month on the calendar. That's just my preference. But March is an incredible month. And that the only thing that March lacks, it doesn't have the NFL games. But you're right. right. Some people like the offseason more than the games, Adam. Sometimes free agency is more fun than the actual season for fans of teams like my team, the Jets, it used to be terrible. The season was terrible. All you do is look forward to the offseason. It's week four. You're looking forward to the NFL draft, right? Who can we get to bring in this year? So I agree. I think March is a fantastic month. I mean, the, the NCAA tournament, it's never a letdown. It like, still you know, rocks. Yeah, like it, it will always rock. I, I can't imagine they could ever screw it up, although I know the NCAA, they've, they've done plenty of things in the past to screw things up. I can't imagine they could screw the tournament up. The first weekend is just incredible. The first four days of the tournament, it's really unparalleled, I think, to any other event. And it is the best sports tournament. I mean, the World Cup is obviously amazing. It doesn't come around every year like March Madness, the NCAA tournament. So to me, Look, it doesn't I count. do think college basketball has changed, obviously, where, you know, with, you know, the NIL and the transfer portal and players going pro, it's different, right? And I think that in a lot of ways it's become a one-month sport, but you still love it. I still love it. I favor UCLA to win a championship because of their experience and their coaching and their defense. But, Bob, this is one of those special years where even if you're, you know, a casual fan, a diehard fan, just like to fill out a bracket and you have no idea about college basketball, you always get into the first two days, the first weekend, the final four. And I think this is going to be as wide open as topsy-turvy as an NCAA tournament as we've ever seen. I mean, you know, Gonzaga capable of making a run or getting bounced early. Same with UConn, a team that I love. So this is going to be as wide open an NCAA tournament and great for the month of March as we've ever seen. I agree with you 100%, Adam. And you just nailed it, right? The unpredictability. I think a lot of people's brackets are going to be busted immediately in the first yes. few days. I mean, just because... That was the one thing I didn't do well last time I filled out a bracket last year. I just didn't account for the fact that college basketball is different. There are no guarantees anymore, even in the early rounds. It's better now to have a crazier bracket than it was in the past. Like, you always have those people like, oh, maybe a 1 will beat a 16, a 16 will beat a 1, and oh, yeah, I've got all the two seeds getting knocked out. In the old days, that was illogical. Now, I mean, you can see the upsets. You can you, you see them every year, but you see them even more than ever. And it's funny, you even said that. College basketball has changed, Adam. But again, when you sit down for the first game coming up on Thursday of, of you know, the following week, 
you're still going to have the same feeling. It's still this tournament. It's still awesome. It's still it's still upsets and unbelievable stories and Cinderellas. And I know that it doesn't feel like they have the big names anymore. You know, we don't have the we don't have a Zion Williamson this year, right? We don't have that main player to really follow and everybody rallies around that that one freshman who you know is going to be the number one overall pick. You don't have that anymore, so it does take some of the luster off, but it's not going to matter. As soon as we sit down and start watching the tournament, we're going to have all the same feelings again. Gary Cohen, the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and he joins us right after this. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, this is Mike Babchick from Morning Man of Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Babchick's morning after the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Feature guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast. I say it all the time. My favorite play-by-play voice in the history of Major League Baseball. I love listening to him. I love watching him. He's been so great to me throughout my career, whether it was at SNY or WFAN. My guy, the best to ever do it, the great Gary Cohen. Gary, how are you? I don't even know if I can possibly live up to that buildup, but thanks. <laughs> How you are know, you, Gary, I, I'm doing great, and it's great to see you. It's been a minute since I've I've actually seen you and talked to you, but really, first and foremost, I've always wanted to say that to you. Thank you. Whether it was WFAN, SNY, when I would see you between shows at the ballpark, when we would have loudmouths at, at whether it was City Field or Shea Stadium, Always so gracious with your time, with your words, and just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've always done for me and my career in terms of taking the time and listening and encouragement. So thank you for always being there for me and really great words to management in both those places at WFAN and SNY. Well, I appreciate that, Adam. And I've always taken very seriously um, helping the people coming up um, behind me. Um, I think that it's a very difficult task to put yourself out there and and be on the air as a young person. And I think that the more encouragement that we can give to the people who are 
trying to eventually take our places, the, the better off we all are, because I think it en enhances our profession. So uh, I appreciate your, your words and um, thank you. Oh, of course. And, and seriously, and hearing that from someone like you, as I'm, you know, going through as a young broadcaster, 23 years old, the WFAN, first time I was on there, it really meant the world. So I always appreciate that. And let's start with the Mets Hall of Fame. I mean, that made my day when I saw you were going into the Mets Hall of Fame, you know, television forever, radio before that, growing up as a diehard fan of the team. How much does that deserved honor mean to you? You know, I can't even fathom it. I, I, I think it won't hit me until I, I walk out on the field in, in June and have to make a speech in front of 40,000 people, which um, I, I've never done before. Um, <laughs> you know, I talk to, to hundreds of thousands of people every day, but I can't see them. So it's a little different. Um, you know, I grew up with with Lindsey Nelson, Bob Murphy and Ralph Kiner under my pillow and um, had the privilege of working for 15 years with Bob Murphy. And I had to pinch myself every day that here I was working with the guy I grew up listening to. So, you know, the idea that I follow and, and Howie with me follows into uh, the Mets Hall of Fame is just it, it's so beyond anything I could have comprehended as a kid. Um, it's almost like it's happening to a different person. Oh, wow. That's, it's surreal, and it's incredibly well-deserved. And listen, I, I, I love listening to you call a game. I love listening to the SNY booth, and I've made this case on the radio, on the podcast before. You're fantastic. The booth is like nothing I've ever heard with you and Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling and the chemistry and the camaraderie and – the appreciation for the moment and history. It's just such a pretty awesome blend. I'm not even a Mets fan, and I'm obsessed with watching and the broadcast. How do you characterize the incredible chemistry that you guys have in that booth? You know, it's, it's, it, it is a magical thing because it's not guaranteed when you put two or three people together that they're going to mesh the way we have. But I, I think... It comes down to this. My producer, Greg Picker, likes to say this. We take the game seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Mm. Um, we go into every game looking forward to what the day is going to unfold. And I, I think that we go with the flow. Uh, we don't plan hardly anything. We don't have production meetings we all prepare in our own way for that day and for each year. And whatever comes up, comes up. And sometimes it's about the game and sometimes it's um, bouncing off the game and sometimes it's completely uh, peripheral to the game. Uh, and sometimes it depends on the game itself as to how the broadcast is going to go. So um, we're lucky. We all like each other. We have fun together. We're all very different in 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 a lot of different ways, but I think we all respect one another. And I think nobody has to be the star. And that's, that's really the key to the whole thing that, um, egos are cast aside. We're all willing to laugh at ourselves and laugh at each other and have a good time. And, you know, I, it, it, it was told to me by an old boss a long time ago, if you're having fun, the likelihood is that the person listening is having fun. And, and that's generally the case. And that pours through. And, and I, I'm fascinated by that, not surprised. I'm actually a believer in that in terms of sometimes how a, a group will prep. 
you do your own prep. But then I think it puts a lot on you, Gary, in terms of listening. You have to be a great listener while still respecting the action. It's about the game first and foremost, but knowing when you kind of, you know, pick on something that that Keith said and have him expound on something, or it's going to be story time with Keith, or Ron's going to really break something down from a mechanical perspective. How much of it in terms of the booth and when you know when to tell stories, how much of that is listening, the scoreboard, the moments, how do you attack all of that during a broadcast? I think it's a great question, Adam, and it's one that I've really never been asked before quite that way. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the game, right? You don't want to start telling a story with two outs. You don't want to start telling a story when the bases are loaded, um, if it's a close game. I think as, as games get more lopsided, obviously, we we reach more into our bag of tricks. But the, the listening part is important, and I, I think that, you know, I'm – I was trained as a play-by-play guy because I did radio for, for so long. And um, I've learned over the course of my now 18 years on TV that you don't have to describe the action nearly as much as you do on radio. And, and um, it leaves much more time to, to do other stuff. But I think that I, as a conversationalist, I've always been more of a counterpuncher. And I think that that really serves me well in terms of working with these guys because, um, you know, they're going to say what they say. And it's my job to, to elicit whatever is behind that and, and get the, the, the secondary explanation of whatever they're talking about, whether it's about the game or whether it's about something else. And, you know, that might come in teasing fashion with Keith or it might come in a more direct way with Ron. But I think that it's 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 really the essence of of having a, a good relationship and good chemistry and good conversation on the air to be able to probe and and find the 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 real backstory behind whatever it is they're talking about. I also think one of the great things and, you know, SNY, the Mets allow you to do this. You guys are honest. I mean, if something's good, you'll, you're honest with the audience. If something's not good, you're honest with the audience. I think that's part of the beauty of the broadcast in terms of what sells. You know, you all, and this comes through, you love the Mets. That Everybody knows that when you listen to a broadcast. In terms of honesty... Has there ever been a moment where you felt like you guys were going too far? Did you ever hear from the organization or bosses? Or you always felt like you towed the right line as the voice of the Mets? You know, it's live TV. So you never, you're never you never 100% satisfied with, with anything. But I, I think everybody who does these games, whether they work for the Mets or any other team, knows where the line is. And I frankly don't understand why any team would want it any other way than totally to tell agree. the truth. Because yeah. if if you say everything is great, you know what? Then nothing is great. You have to say what's bad, what's okay, what's good. Because if you don't, then the truly great doesn't stand out. And I think that that's what we're all looking for is, is to – you know, make those gradations, make the punctuations where they're appropriate and not oversell something that that's not really worthy of being sold. Um, you know, I, I think occasionally over 35 years, 
you get pushback, but usually it's not about what you say, but but sometimes how you say it, and sometimes it's about how much you say it. <laughs> you know, That's if, you're, fair, if, you're, yeah. if you're belaboring a certain point, I think sometimes you get pushed back on that. But usually, um, you know, the, the the nature of the way Mets broadcasting has been right from the beginning, I, I think there's been an expectation that you're going to get straight shooting. And in the early days of the Mets, you know, with Lindsey, Ralph, and Bob, when the Mets were terrible, it wasn't so much that they pointed out that the Mets were terrible, it's that they mostly concentrated on the other teams, right? And I think that that is also something that we have always prided ourselves on. We're not just doing the Mets. There are two teams in every game, and we're going to go out of our way to make sure you know something about the Kansas City Royals or the 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 uh, Seattle Mariners or the St. Louis Cardinals, whoever the Mets are playing that day, that we're going to know as much about them and and bring that out as much as we do the Mets because we're doing a game, not just a team. And I've said this before, Gary, so I'm not saying this because I'm interviewing you. I consider you, and I'm 45 turning 46, my generations and the younger generations, Vin Scully in terms of the presentation and, you know, I have to watch everything and the preparation. I'm curious, who did you idolize or look up to in terms of play-by-play or who were your role models in, in broadcasting? Well, I mean, growing up in New York in the 60s and 70s, I, I think everybody of my generation, and I, I count in this, you know, Howie Rose and Bob Papa and and uh, Mike Breen and and Michael Kay and everybody is we all listened to Marv Albert. That was yeah. our touchstone. You know, when I was a kid, Marv was doing the Nixon Rangers on the radio and um, I would listen to every game. And um, he was the man. And, you know, eventually he moved on to to bigger and better things. But um, that that was what got me interested in, in listening to games on the radio in the first place. And, of course, Lindsey, Ralph and Bob were a huge part of my summer soundtrack, but I also listened to the Yankees, you know, Frank Messer and, and Phil Rizzuto and, and Bill White. And um, so, you know, there were a lot of voices in my head, but, but, you know, Marv was the guy who stood out. I mean, he, he, he brought such precision to his play by play, such humor to the broadcast, such great interaction with his partners. Um, he was the total package. And um, I, I always aspired to, to, be as good as Marv was. And I've told him that on, on several occasions. He is um, he is the, the touchstone for an entire generation of, of New York sports broadcasters. There's nothing quite like hearing a Gary Cohn out of here, especially in a crunch time moment in a big spot. I loved years ago when Jerry Seinfeld was in the booth and you guys were talking about favorite all-time moments with the Mets. And I, I just I found that conversation to be fascinating on a lot of different levels. Did it have to be in a win? Was it one where you were in the booth? Do you have an all-time favorite call as the television voice of the Mets? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't really think of it in those terms, you know. People ask me that question, and I, I'm kind of at a loss to answer it. To me, what counts more is the 500 hours a year that we're talking to the audience. It's all the the little moments. It's it's the um, the 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 way that you use different verbs or nouns at different times to describe things. It's the the little musical references that 
we might drop in <laughs> here and there. It's it's all the moments that accumulate that make you a friend to the person who's watching um, and, and make them maybe listen a few minutes longer than they would otherwise. To me, that's much more important than the, 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 the moments that go viral. I mean, sure, those are big and, and you try to stay in the moment with all of them. And um, you have the calls that you can prepare for, like in a close game or a pennant race or somebody's going to set a record. And then the calls you can't possibly prepare for that, you know, we've had an unassisted triple play to end a game. We had Bartolo Colon's home run. I mean, the <laughs> things that that come out of absolutely nowhere that you hope that you you handle, um, even though they're completely unexpected, and that you hope you find the right words for it. So, um, to me, it's all about being as good as we can possibly be every inning, every day. I am so excited for baseball, and you know, even though NFL for me drives content, I baseball is my first love. It's always going to be my number one love. I love watching it, whether it's the Yankees, watching you doing the Mets games, the national broadcasts. I love baseball, investing in games. I love it as background noise. However I consume it, I just love baseball, my first love, first and foremost. And I'm excited about some of these rule changes, Gary. And in terms of the pace of play, oh, and, and people talk pitch clock, time of game. I, if it's a great game, I never get bothered if it's two hours, ten minutes, or three hours, ten minutes. A great game is a great game. But in terms of eliminating the, the nonsense in between pitches, the wasted motion, I think this is going to be amazing for baseball. Great for the kids. Great for my kids. Great. We're all in the cell phone era. I've checked my cell phone three times during this interview, which, you know, is not really right, but it's how we all consume. You've done it as well. So tell me about calling these games in spring training. The pace of play, the pitch clock, I could see nothing but positives. What's your take on it? It's a huge game changer, Adam. And, you know, until about five years ago, I was very anti the idea of the pitch clock. But the game had slowed down to such an extent that I, I, I feel as though we had kind of lost the essence of the flow of the game. And what I've noticed, I've done four spring training games so far. What I've noticed is that the pace of the game is back very much where it was when I started 35 years ago. Um, I think what happened is that so much information came into the game. There is so much that is filling players' heads about, um, you know, what pitch to throw in the right in this particular spot to this batter and, and what to look for, that everybody has had to slow things down in order to think it out. And I think what it's taken away is some of the natural – um, instincts of the game and the flow of the game. And I, I, it's a period of adjustment. And there's no question that, you know, um, spring training has been um, an incubator for ideas about how to deal with the rules uh, among all the players. And frankly, among the umpires, too, they're, they're figuring it out. Managers have to make decisions a little quicker, especially about getting guys up in the bullpen, because, you know, uh, there's not going to be 50 seconds between pitches to, to let a guy throw a dozen pitches down in the bullpen. So um, I, I think it's great that Major League Baseball has insisted upon enforcing the rules strictly from day one of spring training, just so everybody can get in into the, the rhythm of it. But I think the experience in the minor leagues is telling. I, I, if, if you listen to the guys who have played with those rules, they say after a few weeks, everybody gets adjusted and you see almost no violations. And 
I, I think where the pedal will 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 hit the metal and whether we find out whether it's too much is when we get into the regular season and you have close games late. Because those are the instances where you don't mind the time between pitches because the anticipation of the moment is almost as important as the moment itself in baseball. Um, so it may be that it's a little quick for those moments, but where it will really be telling is in the 10 to one game in the sixth inning, when you get the guy who comes out of the bullpen, who wasn't pitched in a week or 10 days and is trying to make an impression and everybody else just wants to go home. And this guy's taking a minute between pitches because he's trying to put on the best show that he can to try and stick in the big leagues. So that will be cleaned up. And, you know, from a broadcasting standpoint, the only downside is we'll have a little less time to, you know, to fool around. There'll be um, a, a lot shorter time span to get into stuff. And, you know, that that's something we're going to have to adjust to, too. I think you will, and I think you'll adjust well. But that those are some excellent points. And the shift, I hated the shift. I did. I hated the shift for a variety of reasons. I know there's strategy involved, but I like the stolen base. I like the hit and run. I like athleticism, a shortstop ranging up the middle, making a play, not just being in position and a ground ball's hit right at him. I'm in favor of banning the shift because I think – we're going to see more offense. We're going to see more athleticism. We're going to see more fun. The NFL, brilliantly forever, has changed rules to increase offense and excitement. And I love that because it's good for the game. What's your take on banning the shift? You know, I didn't mind so much the fact that you could put three guys on one side of the infield. I don't think that was the biggest point. The biggest point was the depth. The fact that you could play a fielder 30 feet into right field against a particularly pull hitting slow running left-hand hitter and things that for 150 years were hits all of a sudden were turned into outs. Um, the fact that they have to have two feet on the dirt to me is the most important part of the rule. There's no question that left-handed hitters are going to see their batting averages go up. And I, I agree with you that I think it'll lead to more athleticism on the infield, I, but the, you know the the playing uh, the the infielders onto the outfield grass as as drastically as teams began to do over the last few years to me took away some of the beauty of the game. Um, you know teams will still have the option of of taking their left fielder for instance and putting him in that rover position if mm -hmm. they want to give up some some uh, coverage in the outfield that's their choice. But the fact that all four infielders have to have two feet on the dirt I think is great. And uh, I think it will definitely enhance the game. It'll lead to more offense, but it'll also lead to more exciting defensive plays. Which I think is going to be great. And also a way in 2023 to have baseball go viral and social media and clips on Twitter and Instagram, which I, again, it's necessary in terms of the kids nowadays. Great anticipation for the Mets this year, Gary. I, I think they're loaded. Now, I think if you're a fan of the Phillies or the Braves or the Padres, even still the Dodgers, in my opinion, you're still thinking this can be a great year for my team, my organization. Mets roster to me is good or better than any in the National League. What are your expectations for the Mets? How do they how do they seal the deal and really become a viable, true contender and get over that hump and back to the World Series? 
Well, you know, we thought they were that for most of last year. I mean, they did win 101 games. Um, they just had two horrible weekends in a row <laughs> getting swept <laughs> in Atlanta where one one win would have gotten in the division title and the bye in the first round. And then the following weekend against the Padres when they, they lost two out of three and got eliminated. Um, you know, the Mets were built to win last year and they were built to win from the top, which was the top two guys in the rotation, Scherzer and DeGrom. And they didn't get a lot out of Scherzer and DeGrom because of injury. And then when it came down to brass tacks, Scherzer wasn't 100%. He pitched poorly against the Braves, pitched poorly against the Padres. DeGrom pitched poorly against the Braves, pitched okay against the Padres. Their third starter, Chris Bassett, didn't pitch well in either series. And they lost five of six, and that's what killed their season. They're built in very similar fashion this this year um, with, with Verlander and Scherzer at the top of the rotation. And the key is going to be keeping them healthy. Um, this is the highest payroll team in the history of baseball, so they certainly are expected to win. But, you know, the Braves have an outstanding young team, which should only get better with the return of Mike Soroka um, and the addition of Sean Murphy. And the Phillies are better than they were last year by signing Trey Turner and, and shoring up their bullpen. So it's going to be a great three-team race. Um, the biggest problem the Mets have when you look at their roster is age. They're going to have a, an, a starting rotation with a 39-year-old and a 40-year-old. Their average age in their rotation will be 35. They'll probably be the oldest overall team in the league. They've already had one pitcher go down in spring training. Jose Quintana looks like he's not going to make opening day with a stress fracture in his rib. So, you know, there are, there are questions there. Now, they have built up better organizational depth this year, both in their pitching and in their position players, than they've had in the past to try to absorb some of the natural wear and tear of the season. But you worry about teams that that have age. That having been said, there's no reason this team can't thrive. They were fifth in the league in, in runs scored last year. Um, even though they didn't hit a ton of home runs, they probably will hit more home runs this year. That would be my guess. And um, th their offense shouldn't be a concern. Defensively, they're very solid. Um, the, the bullpen may be a little stronger than it was last year. The rotation is as strong and hopefully will be more healthy than it was last year. But it's uh, it's a great division, and um, the only thing about it is that uh, the three teams at the top won't get to beat up on the two teams at the bottom quite as much because they've changed the schedule this year to a more balanced schedule. So um, that might have an impact as well. I'm obsessed with Buck Walter. I, I think he's <laughs> terrific. I just think he's meticulous. I love his how he structures a lineup. I love the way he talks to the press. I, I've always loved, at every single stop, everything about Buck Showalter. How would you characterize and describe Buck as a manager? Well, he's he, he has an attention to detail that is unprecedented. And it's not just baseball. It's everything. He notices everything. Um, if you're wearing a particular pair of shoes on a given day, he has noticed that and filed it away. <laughs> and if you're wearing a different pair of shoes tomorrow, he will know and he will make that comparison sometimes out loud. Um, he just he's I think he's mellowed somewhat. I think he was more obsessive and a little more controlling when he was younger. I know that was certainly the perception of him with the Yankees and with Arizona. I think that has lessened over the years. But his attention to detail is still what it was. And um, he has been 
pondering and, and considering the new rules and how to best take advantage of them and avoid the pitfalls of them since the day they were announced and probably even before that. Um, his media stuff, I think, is interesting because, you know, Buck comes with an agenda every day. I mean, he'll never... He'll, he'll not necessarily answer your question, but he'll always say something interesting in response to your question. So, <laughs> you know, from, from a reporter's standpoint, he always fills your notebook. You may just not have quite the notes that you were expecting to have when you asked whatever question was on your mind. Um, but he's he's um, been terrific with us, and and I, I couldn't be happier from a Mets perspective. Um, it was a great hire, and um, he's uh, he he deserved Manager of the Year last year and won it. Um, there's a reason he's won it now with four different teams. Without question. All right, final question for you, going through your career. So you're in college, you're at Columbia, and you're calling soccer with George Stephanopoulos. Hmm. Did you have any – first of all, what was he like as a color analyst, and did you have any idea what the rest of his professional life and career was going to be like? When I knew George Stephanopoulos, he was a couple of years behind me at Columbia. He was a wrestler. That was his first um, <laughs> pursuit and extracurricular activities. And as a broadcaster, he was as quiet a person as I've ever met. I never heard George say five words off the air. <laughs> so let's just say when, when I knew George, and we didn't work a lot together. We just, our paths crossed for a few games Um doing soccer um i would say that he was very much a work in progress at that point and i would have had no concept of him becoming the uh the shrewd political operative slash um you know media titan that he eventually became gary you are the best it is just absolutely a treat it's a sign of spring and summer when i'm listening to you and keith hernandez and ron darling doing the mets games on sny the best booth in the business to me in the history of of sports i i mean that i've said it before and it's a joy ride for nine innings i love listening i love watching congrats on making the mets hall of fame have a wonderful season this year and we'll talk to you again real soon thank you adam you're more than kind thanks for having me on it's a real treat really really was it's time for the shine wine I love a good Merlot. I am fired up about my Knicks as we tape this on a Tuesday. The Knicks have won nine straight games, going for a 10th straight on Tuesday night against Charlotte, which is a formality. And no matter what transpires, look, the New York Knicks, in my opinion, are absolutely for real. Now, what does that mean? I think Milwaukee is unequivocally the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Boston is an absolute mess right now. They blew a 28-point lead to the Brooklyn Nets, then the double-digit lead they had against my Knicks, and then on Monday night, another double-digit lead against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Jalen Brunson is a star. He has changed everything for this team. Julius Randle is back to his all-star form. He's on a heater, had that off-balance three against Miami on Friday night, and he was incredible against Boston. R.J. Barrett joined the party. Emmanuel quickly off the bench. Tom Thibodeau has shortened the rotation. He's been a fantastic coach. And listen, I, I think the Knicks can beat Cleveland, ironically enough, and Donovan Mitchell, and I was so upset where the Knicks didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. Still am, by the way, giving up the picks and, and the aforementioned R.J. Barrett and that kind of trade. I mean, I'm still upset that didn't happen. Mitchell, a New York native who wanted to be in New York. 
But the Knicks are for real. This is not a fluke. Now, Milwaukee is a team to beat. Giannis has been incredible. They have the championship experience. But I do think the Knicks can compete with anyone in the postseason. I think they can give Boston a run for its money. I, they are very confident. They just beat Boston twice in, in the same week. And I think, and I have such joy in saying this, the New York Knicks are absolutely for real. And that is a fascinating storyline and gives me such amazing pleasure in watching the Knicks play in the second half of this basketball season. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. All right, Bob, you're a diehard Jets fan, so here's one right for you on a text from Jack Shine. Poppy says, you got to love that he announces it, like I don't know who's sending me a text. Poppy says with a colon, bring in Aaron to Jets, three-year deal. Jets could win Super Bowl. If it doesn't happen, Woody must sell the team. So Jack Shine is calling for Aaron Rodgers in New York. And if it doesn't happen, he is demanding that Woody Johnson sells your Jets. This is not Woody's fault, Adam. Come on. This is the one time Woody Johnson's actually pushing for a player. Oh, Jack. Oh, no. I don't, I don't agree with this text message, Adam. This one's not from me. I've told the story before. Woody Johnson wanted Brett Favre so much that you and members of the Jets organization asking me to keep saying don't trade for Brett Favre. But you're right, Bob. And I think Woody Johnson is a a terrible owner, but he's the one who wants the big name. And this is not Favre. If, in fact, it would happen, Aaron Rodgers is still in his prime, four-time MVP. Last year, the receivers and the defense and Matt LaFleur not running the ball first and foremost, that's what let him down. If Aaron Rodgers was ever traded to the Jets, they would absolutely be in the mix for the Super Bowl without question. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Gary Cohen, how awesome is that? Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Shine on Sports weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Man Dog Sports Radio Channel 82 and on the SXM app. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. Touchdown! For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Sirius XM Podcasts. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. 
Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 